0: It's great to have on the line with me, Aisha Nancy Novakovich. Thanks very much for joining us, Aisha.
1: You're welcome. It's a great pleasure to be here with you tonight.
0: So you've just been at this uh, conference in Melbourne, and it sounds like yeah. it was a lot of lot of fun. Um, it's a really interesting, I guess, cross-section of the of academia and, and the community uh, coming to this conference talking about uh, extremism. You were there presenting a paper, radicalisation, Redemption and Loss, Insights into the Young Muslim Mind. Give us That's some insights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a bit of a doozer, isn't it? So um, I was invited to uh, fly over to Melbourne for this um, conference hosted by Deakin University um, and it was called addressing the new landscape of terrorism um, and I was put onto a panel and um uh, about Muslim youth and ISIS and when I first received the email inviting me along I thought oh god I, I wrote back and I said are you sure you've got the right person you know there are far more prominent people who speak on this topic and I said I'm not really sure I have much to contribute and so I sat down and thought what am I going to talk about and I wanted to um, be really authentic about my topic um, so and since I was talking about Muslim youth I thought well you know, I'm going to talk about my own personal journey and my paper ended up becoming um, semi-autobiographical um, as well as providing a brief overview of some of the things that we are doing in Perth. Um, so that's why I came up with this paper called "Radicalization, Redemption and Loss, Insights into the Young Muslim Mind. And it was not meant to be representative of... Um, anyone else's experiences as a young person growing up in Australia, except mine. But I thought, you know, I'm going to use my own journey as um, and my own narrative as a as a site through which to explore a lot of these themes. You know, to art- articulate how um, the drive for redemption in young people can be so incredibly powerful, and um, also to talk about some of the reasons why. Um, groups like ISIS and others can be so alluring and seductive, um, especially to young people who are already at at risk um, and quite vulnerable. And and so I you know I spoke about um, growing up poor um, and losing my father when I was um, four years old and having to grow up really quickly and. Um, um, living in Adelaide, which arguably is already an at-risk, no, I shouldn't say that, either. Adelaide's a great place, you know, I moved, I moved to Perth, so I shouldn't knock it, um, you know, and I, I lived in one of the poorest postcodes in Australia, officially, um, and it was a real ghetto, um, I didn't know it at, at the time, but yeah, there was definitely um, a lot of identity confusion and challenges, um, and so I, I I spoke to these things. I, um, you, you can see from my name, my God, H. Annette in the back of it. I've been asked what the hell is going on there. Um, I said, yeah, well, that's just the beginning of the story. Trust me. Um, and what I found is after I delivered uh, my my paper, I got this incredible feedback from people saying, you know, that really resonated with me or we want to hear more. Um, and it, it really is about um, asking practitioners, policy makers, people in leadership to say, you know, are we really getting it, quote unquote? Um, we are emphasizing so much the security, so-called hard approach. And my argument is that we need to go far beyond that to explore more of the soft, softer approaches, um, which may end up being far more effective. And, 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 and my contention was, if we really get what's going on with young people today, then we will not have to spend um, billions and trillions of dollars on military action. I mean, there's a there's a time and place for everything, um, but I definitely went there to be deliberately provocative and so I did tell a lot of stories a lot of personal stories and one of them um was about just to give people an idea of how um you know call me a radical I mean I I hate this term radicalization and I use it provisionally you know it used to be a cool thing to be a radical you know totally rad the problem is that when it becomes um, violent extremism, and, and I didn't ever go that far, um, but I certainly flirted with those ideas. But in terms of being quite radical and outspoken, you know, pre nine eleven, I actually had a poster of um, Osama bin Laden um, in my bedroom as a teenager. So I, I did not have posters of pop groups or all boy bands or Spice Girls as. It was all the rage back in those days. Um, it was a picture of Osama bin Laden. And one day, um, one of my best friends, who is a, a, a very conservative Iraqi girl, comes into my bedroom and looks at it and says, what the hell is that doing on your, what is that on your pin pinup board? And I said, oh my gosh, you know, I totally have a crush on him. And I think he's a hero. And, you know, he was a part of the Mujahideen and, you know, the media's got it all wrong. And he's challenging U.S. hegemony and you know I'd love to be his um his second third or fourth wife and she is like you are absolutely crazy and by the way that poster was laminated uh (laughs) because you know I like to make that shit kind of last so and I said to the audience I said um you know they kind of laugh when I told this story and uh I said you know I think um you know what I'm talking about it's the the puppy dog brown eyes isn't it yeah you know, and they're all kind of laughing. I' am like, yeah, don't you be tricking me? I know what you're onto, you know, you know what I'm talking about
0: Look, so, my uh just to interrupt you there my my yeah, wife actually um had has made a comment a couple of times that she thought he was quite an attractive man as well, so so there you go.
1: <laughs> there you go, so you know, call me crazy, call me radical, right? So I was definitely not alone. So I definitely talked about a lot of these stories. I mean, I mean, obviously, I didn't have um, too much time, but it just gave people a little bit of an insight um, and a, a, a sampler. And I really was imploring them to just listen to young people. I'm no longer a young person. You know, I'm now 32, so I, I can't tick the box of, you know, 24 to 30, whatever it is. That's fine, you know. Um but definitely, there's a story that everyone has to share, and um, I think it's really scary because back in those days, you know, we didn't have WhatsApp, Kick, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. That um, this generation um, is actually growing up on on technology. So, you know, the so-called grooming process and exposure to ISIS propaganda is much more um, influenced. I'll tell you a really quick story about how. My son, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you that this stuff is current and really relevant. There's a subculture which is emerging amongst young people. The fact that I have a 12-year-old son in um, in high school means that I'm always getting current intel. Otherwise, I'd be completely out of the loop. So my son comes home and he says to me, Oh, Mum, you know, today at school we were playing basketball. And um, one of the students just randomly said, Allahu Akbar. And uh, he goes up to him and says, So like why did you say that? Are you Muslim? He goes, No. He goes, Well, where'd you learn that from? I mean, I thought that is so bizarre. You know, when did when the saying Allahu Akbar, which in Arabic means God is great and which Muslims use as uh, a form of praising God, when did that suddenly become a thing? You know. So there's definitely, it's, it's fast moving and we've got to be on top of this and it's quite scary when you're a parent and I've kind of, um, you know, been there, done that. I, I know what it's like and, um, yeah, we've got to kind of stand up, sit up and listen to what young people have to say to us. Hi, Aisha. It's Caroline here. Um, how are you going? Hi, good, yeah. good. Um, I just wanted to ask you you um just from from what I gather, you you're actually quite involved in in women's rights and feminism. Um, and I just wanted to know what um how that fitted in with you um, you know as a, as a younger um, person, mm-hmm. sort of um, being interested in at least uh, branches of Islam such as Wahhabism. um mm-hmm. how did that work with you? was that was that something that um has it been a process of change or is it that it actually, uh, that, that women's rights or feminism sort of fitted in with, with that sort of ideology for you when you were younger? Yeah, you know, a lot of the slogans of feminism and a lot of the core values were in some kind of ironic way. yeah twisted and manipulated in my mind um, and kind of massaged into my own kind of ideological framework to suit my world views. Um, like for example um, you know putting on the hijab was a really big decision for me and there was no way I was going to be a life follower and I challenged a lot of the imams and, and the scholars on, you know, the reasons why a woman should cover and a man shouldn't, etc., etc. Um, so I certainly wasn't one of those kind of shy, retiring students who just blindly accepted things. Um, but I, I did choose to put it on and it was really after reading a lot of um, literature, uh, funnily enough, which were produced by... Um, Wahhabi publishing houses, but not all of it was. There was some. Uh, there was some literature that was written by um, uh, Western female converts who would talk about women in Islam and, you know, frame some of the the benefits of wearing the hijab or the scarf in terms of feminist discourse. You know that it's a form of empowerment that we're not fashion You know, but you know for the most part, it really is about obedience to God in the same way that a nun would reasons. And so, um, for me, it was a journey in trying to understand the reasons. When I was committed, I thought, yep, I'm going to, to don this hijab and it's become a love empowerment for me and always has been. Um, and so that really gave me a lot of strength. And then I thought about the wives of the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him in particular, his younger wife, Aisha, same name as mine, um, who was really known for being quite tempestuous and fiery, and she was a really fierce intellectual. Um, And so she really was my inspiration from quite a young age. And, I mean, for me, she encapsulates um, the very best of of feminism. Um, In terms of being a journey, um, I then proceeded to... um, a couple of years later, about 14, after I put the hijab on, I decided to progress to wearing the niqab or the entire face veil. Um, some in the world call it the burqa. I don't like to call it the burqa. But anyway, I, I, I put that on and that really was for deep spiritual reasons to, um, to have a closer connection to God. Um, now, in terms of my own um, kind of crystallising my own personal feminisms, That didn't happen until I think I was in university, where I really got to um, to sink my teeth into um, a unit that I did as part of my honours year in feminist literary criticism, Um, and I really wanted to kind of place myself along the spectrum. You know, do I even fit in within the the um, liberal Western framework of feminism? There's also an emerging um, movement of Islamic feminism. So it's a really interesting interplay between different um, religious, social, and cultural influences. I think it can be really difficult to navigate your way through it. Uh, a lot, lots of women today, lots of young women, um, don't even want to use the wo- a word feminism. I'm not a feminist because I love feminism. Um, well, well, you know, that's not really the point. And so I think there is definitely um, an education process that needs to take place. And I certainly um, did engender a lot of confusion about my own beliefs and whether it was really compatible um, with um, Islamic philosophies and worldviews. I'm pretty comfortable now. I'm, I definitely would call myself a feminist. And often that means I've got to qualify to people, what that means. And you know, a lot of people say, uh, Prophet Muhammad really was the first feminist he was a feminist you know he came um, to say you know women should not be enslaved women are allowed to uh, you know um, uh, inherit property they are not property inherited to be inherited they should be respected they have souls um, they have rights and responsibilities as men yeah so definitely I don't find it to be incompatible with my Islamic values I feel um, is, Islamic values actually greatly inform and empower me in my own feminist projects.
0: Aisha, it sounds like a really just incredible journey you've been on. Yeah. Uh, just uh, yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing a little bit of it with us. Um, I wondered That's if you okay. just just, uh, just to finish up, um, t- talk to us a little bit about where you're at now. I mean, I know that you're someone who's been very engaged with, uh, you know, with West Australians for Racial Equality, for example, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, in the campaign against Reclaim Australia, you know, That's just right. where you are in, in your own journey and, and the immediate, uh, I guess, challenges ahead for, for you and, and, you know, in the tremendous work you're doing.
1: Yeah, well, what a big question. Thanks for locking that one on me. I think the journey is continuing and uh, there's always a drama, isn't there? And there's um, there are definitely lots of challenges to contend with and, you know, we can't... Um, fight on all fronts so for the time being for me um, I'm looking forward to um, finishing off my law degree um, this year my god it's getting embarrassing so have you finished your degree no you know seven years later so hopefully I'm going to use that as a vehicle to continue the the good work in the community Um, certainly getting uh, very active in um, the space of courageous conversations about race which is an incredibly important work, um, and also um, wanting to um, really raise more awareness about domestic violence. So doing a bit of work in that space. I myself um, am a survivor of domestic violence. Um, and so that's, that's, that's not completely, but that's another kind of... Um, a tangent, another another story and another journey um, and so that's something that I am constantly grappling with within myself, it, it never really goes away um, and yeah, just you know what it is for me, it really is about being authentic, being myself and also um, sharing the limelight. It's, you know, there are some amazing stories in the community. And I really hope that I myself become a conduit um, through which people in the community can have a voice so it's not just me droning on and on and on because that is just boring. <laughs> and um, there are far more interesting people in the community than myself.
0: Well, it's been lovely to give you just, well, to have a little bit of a taste of your limelight at least uh, this evening, Aisha. Um, we we'll chat again soon. Thanks so much for, for joining us.
1: Anytime. Thank you so much. See you later. <laughs> Bye.